With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. that nervousness in my throat, man. And for good reason, the Rams coming off a two-game win streak here in the Tertial Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's your boy, 3K. As always, you know what the deal is. Watching y'all on the open thread. The number to call in tonight is 347-857-1022. Again, for those of you who own telephones in these crazy times or have hacked into the White House phone system, if you've hacked into the White House phone system, just press Diamond Heart 3. If you're using a regular telephone, you're going to have to press a couple more numbers, 347-857-1022. Again, it's your boy, 3K. We're going to have David Fuchillo coming on from Niners Nation this time to help uh, look ahead to what has now turned into an incredibly important late-season road game for the Rams against San Francisco, important for them as well. Uh, coming off a big Monday night win against the RG3, RG me, RG, what was it? Fleet Assigned, Shiny C, San Francisco 49ers uh, over the Redskins last night. Redskins, obviously, the beneficiaries of an RG3 trade that gave them a quarterback and gave up some picks. And right about now, I think we're on the better side. Most people would agree with that, but it's a long term game. We haven't even gotten the picks that. Uh, we need to get out of it, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, we're going to have David Fooch on from Niners Nation to help us talk about uh, everything that's going on in San Francisco, what's going on with Colin Kaepernick, what's going on with that defense, that offensive line, why are they kicking professional football players' testicles. I don't see why that's necessary. Robert Quinn's able to get sacks without doing that, but we'll get to that. Fun times ahead, and, and perhaps – on Saturday, an interesting look inside the fictional world of Turf Show Times of the St. Louis Rams, as penned by all of our favorite fictional uh, auteur, 
Defixion Douglas, uh, Mr. Dougie M. Morrison is going to apparently drop a, another chapter in another episode of As the Rams Turn. I know I'm getting old school when you start talking about radio episodes of uh, soap opera, so I won't go there. I, I, I have a feeling that some of y'all are a little bit past that in terms of your age. So let's keep it on tertiary radio, man, and podcasting because there's a lot to get to, and thankfully it's pretty positive right now. The Rams last three weeks have wrapped their bye week into a nice win sandwich. Uh, at the bottom is a lovely uh, slice of Indianapolis smashing bread, 38-8, to eight, that saw the Rams pretty much put everything together in a whooping in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, you know, and, and it seemed a bit of an aberration, obviously, without Sam Bradford and coming off of those two close losses to Seattle and Tennessee at home. You know, you had to assume going into that Indianapolis game that everything looked like it was not going in the Rams' favor. But as I wrote um, last week, you know, it, it was a show, it was a display of resiliency. And, and good for them to, to put that on display and to, to show that there's more to this team yet to come. Obviously, without Sam Bradford, things look a little bit darker. But let's be realistic. There's a 52-man roster, and, and they've got something to show. And obviously, as young as this team is, they've got a lot to improve upon. So it's going to be vital that the key components of this team moving forward find some improvement, find some development. And, look, we've seen it out of Tavon Austin. Hopefully we see more of that from the other guys because the rest of the season is going to put us in position for a key off season. But, you know, there's still football in front of us, so we had the bye week. And then you, you come out of that bye week. <coughs> Excuse me. Looking at a Chicago team that's uh, been off their rocker themselves with uh, McCown starting a quarterback instead of Jay Cutler. And they didn't look all that promising going into the game. I thought it would still be a big challenge, but the Rams handled it pretty well, all things considered. It was a, it got crazy at times. Obviously, the brothers Long took over in the middle of the field for a bit of an unexpected uh, kerfuffle, in which Chris had to come sprinting off the sidelines. It was a, it was a tender scene, a la Bound to music videos. You could, yeah, that's that's what we should do. Somebody remind me of that tomorrow. We need to cut. Uh, the video of Chris Long running out to get his brother out of the scrum to the audio from bound to some uh, Charlie Wilson in the background. But it was an interesting game. You know, the Rams came out really, really strong. 21-7 first quarter put them on track to ice the game in the fourth. And that's exactly what they did. The, the Robert Quinn uh, strip sack that he was able to take back for a touchdown really finished it off. But obviously the identity, identity of this team that's being forced on offense is uh, inarguable, and, and it's absolutely blatant, and it worked all day as the Rams stuck to the running game. And whether it was Zach Stacy who was averaging over seven yards a carry, or when he went out with a concussion picking up uh, where he left off, Benny Cunningham, 13 carries for 109 yards. The Rams team can run. Um, <clears throat> man, what is going on? We've got, we got the wintry mix going on out here, and I don't think my body's liking it, but my body's liking that bound, too. I think what, what it comes down to with the Rams is now that you've shown the resiliency and you've picked up two big wins, you've got a five-game run in here where, yeah, you want to see the younger guys develop, but you've got an opportunity maybe to put a season now. You're, you're five and six, and I think to a degree it hinges on this game because if you can go into San Francisco and get a win, pull yourself back to 500, you know that the NFC West is the toughest division in football, but if you can get it done in San Francisco, you can probably get it done against those next three. At Arizona, who's clipped themselves into uh, playoff contention, a team that the Rams beat in week one, 
and then New Orleans and Tampa Bay at home those next two. New Orleans is tough, certainly, but at home gives the Rams an opportunity to maybe sneak one off. And, and who knows now, the Rams are going to have to win a bunch of those games that they want to be in the mix come week 16 or even week 15 against New Orleans. You might have to win the next two, but at least you're talking about a, a crucial swing game going on in San Francisco. It's going to be interesting to see what's going on there. And we'll, we'll talk to Pooch in a little bit. We've got our first caller on the line, so let's bring him in. What's going on here on Tertial Radio? Hey. hey, what's going on, How man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, how was the bye week? I, come on, man. Two big wins with a bye week in between. You gotta be, you gotta be pleased with the adjustments. Finally, no? Yeah, uh, finally. Only I wish it was with Bradford. To be honest with you, if this had happened at the beginning, <laughs> dude, we would be in the playoffs. There would be no question. Um, yeah, and I think that's what's weird is that is that the the Rams are the team have almost undoubtedly improved without him, right? You look at the Seattle game on Monday night. They fought, and they were a yard away from yeah. pinching that one off against maybe maybe the best team in the league, one of the best, certainly, in mm-hmm. Seattle. Uh, you know, a disappointing game the next week against Tennessee at home, but they ended up only losing by a touchdown. And then two two big wins against Indianapolis and Chicago. I think the team's better. Uh, and, and it certainly pretends for greater things down the road when Bradford gets back, as long as the Rams decide to stay with yeah. Bradford, no? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, it was a pleasant surprise to see the Colts game. I loved it, every minute of it. Um, the bye week couldn't, come, couldn't have come at a better time. And... Uh, it was great to see uh, what, what they did with the Bears and uh, the Barker's call. What was up with that? But, you know, the, the roughing, what was it, roughing the passer when all he did was a normal tackle? It was a, B, I mean, it's a BS call. Um, and the players have said so. Fisher said so. I don't think you'll find anybody on the Bears who, you know, wants to support that call because they know that their defensive linemen have a job to play. It's it's one of these weird areas, and it's kind of like what they have going on in college with targeting, right, that the referees yeah. are erring on the side of safety, at least in college, where, you know, they call the penalty and they go back to review and they say, yeah, the guy's not getting thrown out because it wasn't really that bad. It was just that first look. It looks so violent that you're worried. And I think whether it's um, Michael Brockers or what's-his-name that was uh, in the Saints game that went and caught Drew Brees on the neck, the referees are – you know, as soon as they see anything that it, it almost it's almost as simple as saying it looks bad. If it looks violent and it's, you know, above the waist, they're just throwing flags. Yeah, well Yeah, I know, but it's 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 just ridiculous. But uh, it's unfortunate it's unfortunate that it happened without Bradford. The chemistry happened without Bradford. But here's the thing. Um there were some white hairs grown on my head. My hair turned almost white from watching Clemens throw. The <laughs> uh, couple, there's two in the red zone. One was I, I, I don't know who who the receivers were. I forgot. I think one was cut, but one was to the far right, and one was above the head, way above the head, not catchable. And then you didn't want to include the, in, the one that he threw two feet in front of himself. I thought that was his best yeah. early game. Uh-huh. Then there's the 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 one he threw to Givens. I think it was Givens. 
But let me rephrase that. The one he threw to the almost to the defender, right in the defender's hands, if it hadn't been for Givens's head, or it might have been Austin or Givens, one of those two. If the if his head had not been on his shoulders to knock it away, the defender would have had an interception. Okay. We didn't. It's great that they're getting things done, but. Um, it's not with Clemens. It's in spite of Clemens. Okay? Um, Zach Stacy is the key, and I keep saying that because it's true. If he goes out for the season, hopefully Cunningham, which, by the way, was a, a he was a great surprise. I think he'll be all right. I'm not going to announce him as the definite second power back, okay? Right. Not yet until I see him play a lot more than one game. Um, but he has potential. And but if if either of those if if Zach Stacy gets hurt, and if for whatever reason Cunningham gets hurt, and it's Richardson, and then uh, whoever is behind Richardson, and we have to rely on Clemens's arm, there's going to be problems. Oh sure, uh, but I, I think what's interesting is mm-hmm. between Cunningham and Stacy, that that's not getting as much press as I'd like to see. And obviously, this is something over the years I always stress at Tertial Times is the offensive line. I, I, I get it, Chicago um, Bears running defense isn't that good, but you don't have Benny Cunningham and Zach Stacy coming in as unproven as they are and racking up over almost 200 yards in 25 carries against an NFL defense if, you're, if your offensive line isn't providing some solid run blocking. I think the offensive line is doing a great job on the ground. Oh, I think so too. Um, that's another thing that surprised me. And it's and you know this and I know this and it's been emphasized. They love the run, um, running the ball more than they do um, passing it, simply because it's a lot simpler to block. They get into a better rhythm and uh, create holes. You know, they're able to create holes. But. Uh, it, it reevaluated or reinforced. Actually, it changed my stance on trading Bradford. Uh, that would be a mistake. <laughs> so when, when did because this happen? When did, when did you look, have a revelation? When I saw Clemens throw. <laughs> okay, because look, so it's not about Bradford. It's about Clemens. Yeah, there's going to be a come a time. There's going to come. Cause let me let me just put it this way: under this current system, with Zach Stacy healthy and able to play, uh, running uh, our offensive line, and we're putting up holes for him, and then Cunningham coming up behind him. Uh, Ryan, insert Ryan Leaf into this offensive line, and he'll be just as effective as Clemens. Okay? Well, I guarantee more people would watch. I guarantee if the Rams brought in Ryan yeah. Leaf, it would be the most important thing going on in the NFL. But, uh, so, but, what we need, what needs to happen is, is a quarterback that can actually throw when needed to. When we have to depend on his arm, we need a quarterback that can throw and make accurate passes. Because maybe he could get away with the far right ball or too high ball up in college. But he, and then at the pro level, you know this, everybody knows this, that, he got lucky those weren't intercepted. You can't sure. get away with that a lot, you know. So accuracy is fundamentally key. 
if we have to depend on an arm. And we will. We're going to have to, at some point, depend on the quarterback's arm. Uh, And now, as for the team making it to the playoffs, it's great that they have a shot. Um, But realistically, in my opinion, I don't think they'll make it. Well, let me ask you this before I let you go, Bill. Oh, sure. Let let me ask you this, though. Again, again, San Francisco, look, the 49ers haven't looked uh, all that, you know, strong the last couple weeks. You know, they've been closer to two losses. They dropped to Carolina only by a point and then went into New Orleans in that tough game and obviously had some calls go against them and lost by three. Uh, The Washington game, even though they won by three touchdowns, I don't know that, you know, it was one of those games where you come away really impressed with San Francisco as much you come away and look at Washington and go, my goodness, that's a horrible team. Especially Mm -hmm. after the first half, you know, San Francisco was only able to put up ten points. What what are you looking towards this weekend and looking in terms of what the Rams need to do to get a win and what you're hoping maybe we see out of this young team? In order for the Rams to get a a win, we need to shut down their run. Right now, in my opinion, they are a one-dimensional team. And that's running. Uh, Kaepernick is turning into a quarterback, in my opinion, that is is, is not what all what what he they thought he was in 2012. Okay, I and mean, I've read this even on their site. Um, the, and experts have started noticing, looking at film, that what he's doing is only throwing to a for sure open wide receiver. Okay, and how many times does that happen in the NFL? One percent. Okay. And um, and if it's not there, if it's not really, if he's not sure it's wide open or it's not designed that way, he has a tendency to scramble first, then uh, you know before looking at other options. And um, so he huddles in there, looks for the for sure wide open receiver or a designed wide open receiver, whatever you want to call it, before he throws. And if it's not there, instead of looking at option, you know. B, C, or D, his other reads, he scrambles. You know, and that's what's key. Man, what's your prediction for the score, man? Um, if the Rams play like they did the last two games against the Colts and the Bears, um, and, and they stop the run, it won't even be a game. It'll be a blowout. That's what I like to hear. Will, hey, thanks for calling in, brother. All right, you have a good one. Man, see, I like leaving it on a high note. Now now we got to go to the other side. My Bound 2 music video remix co-star. Coming off some interesting comments from we all. I'm going to love hearing from Fooch on this one. Fooch, what's going on, man? Oh, I am doing good. I, I love hearing cocky Rams fans. <laughs> oh, Fooch, all we got to do is stop the run. It's gonna, you know, it's going to be just like the last two weeks. It's going to be a blowout. No, Tell me, man, no, what's hey, going you, on you, with you, got, you, no, you, you guys are you guys are playing some good football. I, I I don't you know this has gone from I mean after the last game I you know I think most 49ers fans figured this game will be a walk, but now you know what you what you were to say, Bradford, it all comes together. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but tell me this, man, what's going on these last couple of weeks? Obviously, you know, you go back, you guys racked off that five game winning streak, and you know, big wins against Tennessee and Jacksonville, the kind of performances you expect from good teams. And then, I guess after the bye, you know, to, like I said, you know, when we was on two close losses, and now this last Monday night game, even though you won by three touchdowns, it seemed more like Washington being 
horrible than maybe the 49ers putting out a great performance. Where, where are you guys at as a team right now? Well, I, I would agree that the 49ers did not put together a great offensive performance. I think the 49ers defense is, is right where it needs to be. And I think it's, I'm, I, we, you know, we can discuss that in a little bit, but I think the real question I'm guessing from you guys is about the offense, just because Kaepernick hasn't looked, the, you know, he hasn't quite looked the same and, and there's plenty of question marks about it. I think right now, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to go ahead, man. I would say um, right now with the, with the way the offense sort of is, is figuring things out, uh, I saw some things against Washington that, that I liked. Uh, I didn't see every, I mean, there's still a lot of problems. Like, like, uh, like the last caller was saying, Colin Kaepernick does seem to zone in on that first receiver. Uh, we saw at least two or three times where he was thrown into double coverage last night. And it just so happens that he's got a cannon arm. And so he's able to, Usually get it. I mean, he it gets there faster than you know than cornerbacks can catch it, but they can still break it up. So, you know, he was fortunate not to throw any interceptions yesterday. But what I did like was uh, was the play calling. I think we saw one of the problems the 49ers seem to have, and it's really hard to figure out. Is Greg Roman gets into these ruts in play calling where it's almost like he gets too stubborn. Like he wants, you know, he's got his thing he wants to do. He wants to run it down their teeth sometimes, or he wants to get a little too cute. Uh, last night, for instance, what we saw early on was the 49ers used a lot of wide receiver slants with Mario Manningham uh, in that first uh, in that first scoring drive, and that's something we haven't seen a lot of. And what ended up working out with that is uh, that opened up Bolden, where they ended up hitting Bolden once deep, and then again in the in, on a little corner route for the in the end zone for the touchdown. And I think the Manningham stuff set it up, and that you know that doesn't seem like a huge deal, but given what the 49ers have seen from their wide receiver is not named Anquan Bolden. Having Mario Manningham get four catches for four catches for forty five yards and set some of that up was huge. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Obviously, with the strength of the running game that you guys have displayed all season, are you worried about the last two games? Are you worried, you know, both as a team, but also individually with Frank Gore, who doesn't look, uh, you know, much of the Frank Gore of old? Are you worried that maybe this rushing attack is on the decline? I'm not worried about it yet. I think. The team has tried, has kind of bounced around. For instance, against the uh, against the Saints, they were seeing a lot of eight man fronts, and I, I don't care for Adrian Peterson. Eight man fronts, and and, and you're and if you're running up the guy at eight man fronts, it's gonna be hard to run on that. Stephen Jackson made a younger. career of it. Come on. It, it, exactly, and I and that makes me. That's one reason I. Stephen Jackson's one of my one of my favorite non Forty Niners. He's just such. He was just such a beast having to deal with, with that kind of thing. Frank Gore obviously is not getting any younger, but he'll—I I guarantee you—he'll he'll have at least one more hundred-yard game before the end of the season, and I think you'll see several games where it's like, yeah, Frank Gore looks good. You know, people—it it seems to happen every year. He has a little stretch of two or three games where he struggles. People are saying, oh, you know, he's thirty, it's over, and then he'll bounce back and 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 be fine. And I think his struggles have been more a mix of play calling and offensive line problems. Right. Well, let, let's move it over to that defense that you talked about. Obviously. You know, you guys are still an incredibly strong defense. Maybe certainly not as elite. I mean, obviously with the rushing defense that you guys had last year, but still strong enough. Is, is there any concern on the defensive side where you look at it and say this has been an issue for us maybe in the last couple of weeks, maybe all season? I think uh, early on there were some concerns, especially in the passing game. The secondary was kind of struggling to come together. But really once once they got Tremaine Brock in the lineup, uh, Tremaine Brock – is, I believe, and I think he's he's finishing up his fourth year. I always I always get that confused, but he started, he came in as an undrafted free agent, uh, worked his way up, and just signed a four year contract uh, a couple days ago. And he's basically, I mean, he he moved into the nickel spot. Terrell Brown got hurt 
two two weeks ago, uh, Bruce Trader cracked rib, and Brock is in the starting lineup right now. And then they um they got rid of Parrish Cox, who just went up to Seattle and moved Eric Wright into the secondary. And I think as Re- as Eric Reed has developed, Dante Whitner's having a great year. The secondary has really come together lately. That was something that early on was a concern, and, and throughout the off season it was a concern. And early on, you know, we saw the Packers throw a bunch of you know throw big against them. The uh, the Colts had some big you know had some big numbers. But that's really come together at this point. And honestly, there's some injury concerns without Ray McDonald, and the, and teams can can start to gash a little in the run game. But I actually I, the, the defense is playing as well right now as it has all year. <clears throat> Who's backing up Ray McDonald? Is Tank Carradine the backup, or is it one of the other guys? Right now, uh, Tank Carradine has been inactive since they brought him off the NFI list. Uh, right now, it's been Tony Gerard Eddy. Uh, he's a okay. second-year undrafted free agent out of Texas A&M, and then uh, Demarcus Dodds and Gerard Eddy gets a start right now. And Quinn Dial is in the middle, or he's another defensive end. He uh, he's mostly a defensive tackle. He uh, he'll spell Glenn Dorsey at nose tackle. I think sometimes you know they might try. He didn't play a whole lot, but he can you know he can play a little defensive tackle when they go to a four-man front. But he's not he's mostly the backup nose tackle. So then, how, how's the rest of the team looking? Obviously, Alvin Smith had an interesting season, but are, are the linebackers pretty much still as impenetrable as they've always been between Navarro Bowman and Patrick Mahomes down the middle? I would argue that, that the linebackers right now are as good as they've been. Like if you if you if you kind of take them across the board, Ahmad Brooks, Bowman, Willis, and Alden Smith, especially now because. Really, Alden Smith obviously has had his, you know, his off-the-field issues, and he went to rehab, and it was a struggle to get back. He's back now playing. He ended up playing, I think there were 60 snaps between him and Dan Scuda. He played 45 of them. Scuda played 15. So it's gotten to the point now where, where Alden's, I mean, he's technically not in the starting lineup, but he's, you know, he's getting starter snaps. And he last he night against the – He picked up last night. Yeah. Yeah, well, he had two sacks. He had he. I think they said he he hit Robert Griffin the third like five times uh, in addition to the two sacks, and he just had his way with uh, with Trent Williams and I forget who the other offensive tackle are, but he just he used power, he used speed, he used everything. Alden Smith looked like the Alden Smith of old last night, and so, but really, actually, of the four linebackers, the guy that has really kind of stepped up his game this year has been Ahmad Brooks, uh, their other outside linebacker. He's really he's been a complete the complete baggage right now. Well, let me ask you about this, man, because, you know, we had the Brockers hit this week. You guys had a Mott Brooks against the Saints. How, how do you – and I know Fooch, you're an NFL guy, you know, especially for SB Nation, the great work that we're doing across the board at HQ. How do you feel about this whole trend towards opening and, I guess, deepening the, the rules toward preventing so many more hits on the quarterback? It just – I mean, obviously, it's indisputable that they're throwing more flags on plays that nobody outside of maybe the refs thinks are penalties. But, you know, obviously with the spirit of the rule, you know, if the hand continues to make contact with the neck or head, I, I get that. I get, the, I get the spirit and the letter of the law, but I, I wonder if this is getting – it now is getting to the point out of hand where it's restricting the capability of defensive linemen where they have to worry so much about, you know, maybe a one-foot window between the, the lower chest and the waist to be able to hit a guy that it's going to make it almost too hard for a lot of guys who are just trying to get in there and disrupt plays. Well, I, I get the, that the NFL has, has to do something. You know, they have to they have to try and clean something up, but you can't legislate safety. I think you can, you know, you can make some adjustments, you can, and that kind of thing, but 
the only thing we're seeing is, for instance, uh, Eric Reed has suffered a, a, a couple concussions this year on hits yeah. over the middle where it wasn't even, you know, it, it, it wasn't one of those just vicious blow-up hits. He's, he's actually gone sure. in and tried to turn his head. And so now what we're seeing from him, and I know other players have said they're going to do this. I think James Harrison actually said it is instead of aiming for – because a lot of times players will aim for the waist, and the problem is the player, the, the offensive player will come down and next thing you know, the guy's hitting him in, you know, in the neck and the head region. So now defensive players are saying, well, I'm going to hit him in the legs. And so you got yeah. guys going at the knees now, which, I mean, they have to do that, but suddenly you're going to, you know, you're going to have this increase of knee injuries. So then where do you, in, I mean, this is one of those things that I wish we could do a bigger panel and kind of open it up with a bunch of other people with different views. But for the time being, being that it's you and me, where do we, where does the NFL need to go? Obviously, they they want to try to protect quarterbacks, right? As much as it doesn't – I would agree for the most part that you can't legislate it. Look, the Rams lost Sam Bradford, you know, to the year. It had nothing to do with that, the kind of hit that they're trying to get rid of. The Rams had three players <laughs> lost a concussion on Sunday. None of them drew a flag. Um I don't think that it has much to do with the rules, but what can the NFL do or what do the players need to do outside of playing dirty the way that uh, Brandon Merriweather, the safety on the Redskins, who said what you mentioned, that he was purposefully going to aim low. What, where do we go from here to try to maintain the, the capability of a defensive lineman to get after a quarterback and put a real hit on him without over-legislating? I don't, I, I or think, is there a way for it? I was gonna give us the magic answer, Pooch. Yeah, your commissioner solve all the problems for <laughs> concussions. Well, I think when it comes to personal fouls, I do think that there that there should be some kind of instant replay related to that, so you can you can look back, you can see what's going on. But I think part of the problem with that though is the the Maude Brooks play. They still gave him a fine even after watching it two days later, and so. With a play like that, and that's obviously getting specific, but we saw, you know what, we saw three or four different hits like that in the course of a week after Ahmad Brooks' hit. Technically, that falls under the letter of the law. I know 49ers fans strongly disagree with that, but you see, you, I mean, his arm goes up a little bit, breathes, and that kind of comes that's, down. I mean, they, that's they what the connect. rule says. It sucks, yep. but that's what the rule says, right? But and I understand you know the, the problem I and that does that is what the rule says the rule says even if it doesn't hit you know start at the neck and the problem that you got is you I would much prefer referees be not be allowed to be subjective you know I want it to be okay it's a, you know is it yes or no black or white you don't want referee into it you know you don't want referees suddenly having to think too much because then you get in you know you get even further into the human element but at the same time there's a certain amount of common sense that you know. This clearly is not what they're going after, but I, I honestly don't know how you, you, you know, you you bring in the co- the common sense part of it without bringing in too much sub- subjectivity into the uh, rules interpretation. Sure, and I think maybe that offers us a segue because what I'd like to see one day, I'd like to see a sack from Chris Long, where it starts at the thigh and he gradually slides all the way up a quarterback's body and grazes his neck. And it's a flag. That's what I want to see. I want to see a sack that that constitutes four, a, a hit area of four feet of the quarterback's body. Um, but I think it's interesting seeing, you know, the kind of player that Chris Long is developing into and obviously the strength of the Rams defense being the defensive line and specifically the defensive ends, Chris Long, and obviously Robert Quinn, who the league has finally taken notice of. Where where do you think maybe the – what are you worried about in terms of a vulnerability from the 49ers that you think maybe the Rams could or should exploit and maybe vice versa? What do you think the Rams should be worried about maybe that you've seen in the last couple of weeks that the 49ers are getting really adept at? Well, I think uh... – one one interesting issue is that the 49ers are, are 
well, they, well, this past game against Washington, they were without left guard Mikey Potty. They had their backup in there, Adam Snyder, who, you know, he's serviceable. He can do some things, but he's not, you know, not particularly great. But uh, I could see I could see them coming at the left side there. Joe Staley's next to him, so there is some protection. I think that does help. But I w- that's you know, it's a very specific part. But I think that I would not be surprised to see the Rams try and come at that to come at the Forty that way. And really, just in general, Robert Quinn scares the hell out of me. He should. He should, man. How long is your body out? Nobody really knows. It, it, it's that, I would guess at least another two, you know, maybe another two games, give or take. It's a sprained ligament, so anywhere from right. you know another two games to another three or four or whatever. And in terms of what. Well, maybe not. It's not necessarily what the 49ers have been doing, but what do you want to see from the 49ers this weekend? Where do you think that not necessarily to take advantage of the Rams, but you'd really like to see them excel in a certain area so that down the stretch you feel more confident that this team is going to, A, make the playoffs, and then, B, have a real shot? Well, I'd like to see more of the short passing game. Colin Kaepernick, that's one area where he's kind of struggled where he'll, you know, he'll look for that, that longer ball, and, it's just, and if it's not there – you kind of just you know things just kind of fall apart, and I think especially because the offensive line has been a bit inconsistent in pass protection. Sometimes it is Cap's fault where he you know he's he's sitting there waiting waiting not 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 finding anything, but other times the the line is just falling apart. And I think there are ways that, that the 49ers can potentially use some of their weapons, whether it be manning him on these short slants. I know a lot of fans would love to see more of a Michael James coming out of the backfield. Uh, right now they're using James as a punt returner. He's been doing great. He's been doing fantastic, but. They're not really, you know, they're not using that speed and athleticism on the offensive side of the ball. I think most of his plays have been a little bit more traditional run plays, and that's just not, that's just not cutting it. So, really, I'd love to see more of the short passing game work in. What do, you, what do you attribute that to? Is it just the coaching, and maybe they're not scheming those plays in, or do you think it's me? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there in terms of Michael James, because obviously going into the draft, he was a very proven player who is close to the Heisman and somebody who's kind of like Tavon Austin has a natural skill set that's not going anywhere in terms of speed and some elusiveness. What, what do you attribute the fact that they're not giving him those kind of opportunities? It, it's hard to figure out because, I mean, generally speaking, the, the four-year's offense is, is built around the power rushing attack. You know, Frank Gore coming behind that line, maybe some Kendall Hunter as well, but really, you know, that that line is going to step up and dominate in the run game and the 49ers are just going to, are going to impose their will that way. Obviously, Cap, you know, they, 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 they will go deep. They will, you know, do a lot of that. But even that is, you know, is setting it up through the play action. They want to be able to really, you know, convince teams that they're coming at them. And well, Michael James is, is a great runner, but he's not that kind of power guy. He's not a guy that you're going to, you know, unfortunately, in his, in his first run, I think it was against the Saints, he ran twice, and the first one was him lining up in 22 formation and going up the middle, which is just stupid. I don't, I don't, you know, you just don't get it. It's confusing. And so that's strong. I would, I would, you know, sometimes you just got to say what you think, but no, it's just, it's really confusing. And and it's one of those things where if you're, you know, if you're a good offensive coordinator, you you figure out ways to, to use a weapon like that. He's not just some random dude off the street. This isn't some, just, this isn't Isaiah Pete. (laughs) Oh, yikes, that stings. That stings, man. <laughs> now, now you went to a tough place. No, but it's fair. Um, let me ask you this. I, I don't know if you touched on it. Maybe I missed it. Um, but I think I think he's the only member of the 49ers I saw in high school. Is Michael Crabtree coming back this week? Oh, that's the, the $10,000 question. Um, he, well, they activated him today off the pup list, obviously. They had to, they had to do it by today. Right. And right. at this point... All everybody. I mean, generally speaking, the belief is he's going to play, but 
nobody really actually knows. I know Schefter and Rappaport have been tweeting some stuff out. Oh, it sounds like he's going to, you know. Yesterday after the game, Harbaugh was asked about Crabtree. He's like, oh, you know, he'll be, you know, we expect him to be available this week. And I'm pretty sure he just meant we're going to act him in off the pup list because the follow-up question is, is he going to play against the Rams? And he's like, he'll be available this week. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't change. So I, 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 I expect him to play, but it would. Not, I mean, there's still a, a small part of me that it would not be surprised at all if they deactivated him for that first game back. Sure. I don't, but again, it's been a full six months, which was the timetable given. When he when he when he tore the Achilles back in May, so I don't know. It's it's really interesting to to see how they're going to play this out, and I don't think we're going to know until ninety minutes before the game. Let, let me ask you one more question, man. Unless you got anything you need to get off your chest about the Fortnite. The quick question: Since you brought up Jim Harbaugh, the press conference, what, or not, not not the press conference, the speech, the speech inside the locker room. What was that? What was that? What was what was going on with Harbaugh, man? The speeches in the which speeches in the locker room? The locker room that I saw today. He was talking about what was oh. the little the the phrase that he threw out. It's what was it? Oh, let me let me find it. It was yeah, because he was he was talking about going through. I actually tweeted like the whole thing. I, yeah, I tweeted the entire. I phrase. saw, yeah. and that's what pulled me in. That because you threw it out there. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let me pull up. Uh, okay, uh, take a minute. I'll pl- I'll play bound two. Okay. We got time. I know. I actually found. It. I I actually found it. I found it. What's in store from here on out is tough, but that's just the way we like it because there's one team that's going to emerge when it's all said and done, and that one team is going to go through some hard times. It's going to make them tough for what's coming. Is that going to be us? Will that be us? It's going to be us. We're going to make it us. <clears throat> We're going to make it us. I like that, man. <laughs> We're going to do it their will. Well, and you got Harbaugh, man. Harbaugh is a – is a camera and soundbite friendly guy that is something oh, you, that we haven't had. You, Look, huh? You missed you missed arguably the greatest line you'll ever hear. He says uh, somebody I forget what the question was, but somebody asked him uh, something and uh, you know can you do this or that? And he's like, of course you can. We're the San Francisco Forty Niners. <laughs> and it was well, just like yeah, that's become like the go-to phrase. <laughs> I'm glad he's got faith, but you know, as, even though you guys may be proud that you've got the hardball in tow. We got Tony Softly, man. I'm sorry, but you know, if, if you give me a, a choice, if you give me a choice between a Harbaugh or a Softly, I'm taking Softly every time. You know, I I think that you know I I think they bring a little something different to the table. I think there you know there's nothing wrong with a little Softly. I, I you know I like a little of the Harbaugh, but a little you know a little Softly all it goes a long way. And I think what's what's funny is you know one of those alternate realities that. You guys were so close to making him a member of the 49ers front. Can you imagine Softly and Harbaugh as part of the same organization? It would be a divide-by-zero catastrophe, and the world would just wrap itself in on itself, man. It would be the end of all of us. Because the thing is, also, I didn't really learn about what Softly was all about until after that when I, you know, when I'd see you guys mentioning him. I, I just thought he, you know, I, but I knew there was a problem when I saw that his LinkedIn profile included his work at Nordstrom's. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's a very, very thorough LinkedIn profile. It took, I think, it took Tony a couple of years to find his identity as the drunk avuncular member, and and by drunk I mean completely sober. But you would assume he's drunk by the way he writes. Member of the St. Louis Rams press, but there's nothing better than a Tony softly column to brighten the spirits. Unfortunately, we haven't had many of them lately, but I think you know, with the lack of focus on the Rams in the St. Louis media, and it's our fault. But hopefully, we'll see. Maybe something goes our favor. No offense to you guys, it's going to be an interesting game, but uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully there's no injuries. 
Um, so what, what do you want to see on for, uh, in terms of Sunday? Obviously, it's no injuries, but what, what do you expect to see? Let me put it like that. Well, I think uh, I, this is ob- obviously this is a, 49, a game that I think the 49ers can win. That's that's you know that's a given. I think it'll be it'll be a little bit closer than last time, but I I really I want to see the pass rush get to because Kel- Kellen Clemens is still starting for you guys, right? Say again. Kellen Clemens is still starting for you guys, right? Well, as of right now, we don't look. Sam Bradford may be a game time decision. He just had surgery, but who knows? You know, superhuman, <laughs> superhuman ACL might might heal by Sunday. Um, we've still got Brady Quinn, who we just released, but we could always bring him back just in time. No, yeah, I think uh, we're riding this killing Clemens. <laughs> well, experience I, just, I, I think the key is going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, obviously, getting pressure on him. I'm very curious to see what ends up happening with the running back situation for you guys, because obviously, sure. with uh, with safety having a concussion, I don't. I mean, sounds like it's still you know it's up in the air whether or not. I mean, it seems like Cunningham will get the start, but it seems a little bit up in the air at this point. And I think they're going to have to play close to the chest too. I mean, kind of like with the Crabtree situation, they're not going to let, they're not going to put a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, and I think at this point, what we'll end up seeing, what I expect to see, and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily how this, you know, how the result will be, but I do expect to see the 49ers force, Kel, you know, early on they're going to force Colin Clemens to beat them. They're going to, they're going to key on the run. They're going to, I mean, they're going to, you know, they'll have their pass rush and whatnot, but I think it's going to be more about, hey, can Colin Clemens beat us as opposed to Benny Cunningham? At this point, or Zach Stacey, whatever the case may be, I think, I think the defense focuses on that. I think on the offensive side, it's really hard. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't know what to. I mean, I think you know we'll see plenty of running and all that, but I honestly, I, sure. I don't know from the passing game what to expect because I don't know what you know what the game plan is with Michael Crabtree. Um, I expect him to play, but if he does play, they're going to be limited snaps. What you know what's going to happen, and so from that angle, I think I think they focus a little bit more on the run just to kind of negate that pass rush to some extent. Well, I think it's just mean. I think it's mean that you guys are going to put the ball in Kellen Clemens' hands for him to beat you. There's a lot of other players on this Rams team, Fooch, and I'd like to see you <laughs> give them a chance. I think that's just rude and completely that's, that's, disrespectful. That's perfectly <laughs> reasonable. I I totally understand. You know, I I, I, I try not to be too rude. <laughs> You know, I'd like to I'd like to see a more professional 49ers team out there on Sunday that wants to <laughs> give Tavon Austin and give Jared Cook a chance maybe to get involved in the game. Hey, Fuchs, thanks for coming on, man. Again, pray for no injuries. Appreciate you coming on. Everybody, David Fuchillo, Niners Nation. Check him out. Always good stuff. And always contributing over at NFL side for SB Nation. Fuchs, thanks for coming on, bro. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, man. Fuchs is the best, guys. This is one of the things I hate about being a member of – I guess the NFC West, but also the NFC West on SB Nation, is that all the other guys across SB Nation and NFC West are just good people. And it makes it harder to hate. I want to hate so much. I want to hate the fans as much as I do their teams, but I can't because Danny Kelly and Jeff Root and uh, Booch and obviously so many members of the staff are just good people. Oh, well. Well, look, it, it's a it's a short uh, week in terms of preparation, largely because, and not necessarily in terms of preparation, but let's say focus, because you got Thanksgiving stuck up in the middle, and you know how that affects everybody's lives. You know, all of us listening, Thanksgiving is a real thing, and America hinges on it. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how we get through the week and deal with uh, what's going on, both in terms of Crabtree, in terms of Stacy, and some of these injuries and whatnot, figuring that stuff out, but 
uh, moving toward a, a really crucial game because if the Rams can get this one and get back to 500 this late in the season, look, I mean, it's four games left. Anything could happen. Um, as always, we got to throw in, of course, at this time, it's not quite the most wonderful time of the year, but it is for me because I love football and Thanksgiving is the best holiday in the world for football. And technically, the college slate starts today. You've got Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. If you haven't seen Jordan Lynch, you might still have some time. I think they should still be in action uh, against Western Michigan. They're probably going into the fourth pretty soon, uh, but he's one of the best players in the country. He's really fun to watch. Um, Maybe not the best NFL prospect, but he's fun to watch. I'm looking forward to watching him for a bowl game because he's fun. Um, So you got some college football coming up. The Thanksgiving slate largely gets cleared out for the NFL. Uh, Two interesting games in terms of Texas Tech and Texas, and then Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So Big 12 SEC trying to creep in on the NFL's domain if you want to take in some primetime college football there. But really for Thanksgiving, the college domain is limited to Friday and Saturday. Um, You know that the NFL has its Thursday slate this year. Interesting grouping in Green Bay, Detroit, obviously. The Thanksgiving special, it'll be interesting to see who Dominican Sue decides to uh, kick, stomp on, punch, spit on, have a baby with on Thursday. You got Oakland at Dallas, which I think is an interesting game. That that seems like the okay at Dallas, and they're riding their normal crazy up-and-down schedule. But Oakland's going to offer them a little bit more than I think most people realize, and I think it could be a really, really good game in Dallas. Excuse me, in Arlington. They do not play in the great city of Dallas, Texas. And then you got a great matchup at night, Pittsburgh-Baltimore. Neither team has been all that spectacular. A great rivalry, great Thursday night, Thanksgiving evening NFL action. Um, the Sunday slate for the NFL doesn't include too many crazy matchups. You know, you've got Denver, Kansas City, that's going to lead most headlines. A New York Giants-Washington game on Sunday night that has some big implications for the Rams, both in terms of the, not necessarily the playoffs, because, you know, obviously the NFC West is going to try to put three guys in, and the the East gets one, and it is what it is, Uh, but... Washington, obviously, every game becomes more and more important as they continue to lose and see if the Rams can pick up a top five, maybe a top three pick in the 2014 NFL draft. That Monday night game, New Orleans-Seattle, though, is uh, really, really important, uh, both in terms of setting the tone for the NFC, but I think also in terms of seeing where Seattle's at because you have to recognize this is one of those games that they're going to be hyped up for and they're going to bring everything to the table. The next week they've got San Francisco. Then they get New York, and then at the end of the season they come back to the NFC West for Arizona, St. Louis. So it's going to be interesting to see how they finish this season. They've only got one loss. They're coming off a bye. Seattle's one of the strongest, if not the strongest team in the country. I know number one on the SB Nation power ranking, so that's going to be interesting. Good NFL slate. Not too much craziness if you don't want to go too deep into the league, but it is what it is. But on the college side, like I said, it's really Friday and Saturday's domain of post-Thanksgiving for college to put on what they've got. The Friday slate starts really slow, so feel free to, to sleep in, let the turkey settle, uh, take a couple hours you know, to, to get going, maybe, an, maybe a turkey breakfast, a turkey omelet, a turkey a turkey quiche, whatever you need to get going. Uh, I would say that the first game that probably Rams fans need to get a look at is Arkansas at LSU at 2.30. LSU's got too many NFL prospects to miss. Um, maybe chief among them would be L. Collins, offensive lineman. He's played up and down that line. And given the Rams' uh, capability to put somebody of his versatility in, you know, Roger Saffold switching to guard. You've got Barksdale over at right, I think there's an opportunity maybe for Lyle Collins to be a Rams pick. 
But another one that I think uh, may be slipping under the radar for some people, but definitely not for uh, NFL draft fans, is maybe two of the least talked about quarterbacks who could focus uh, some scouts' attention into the first round is Fresno State at San Jose State. That's going on 3.30 on the CBS Sports Network, not on CBS. CBS has the Arkansas LSU game. And that, that's David Fales, uh really, really talented passer, uh, as well as Derek Carr, David Carr's younger brother, who's on uh, Fresno State. And both of them look like they could be serious prospects threatening round one contention. Maybe day two guys, maybe even day three, who knows. We'll have to see what a lot of different scouts come out with their evaluations and going into the offseason and the combine where a lot of people are putting them. But I, I would – I, I could definitely see them in round one contention, both of them, actually, because they're talented guys. At the same time, you got Miami of Florida at Pittsburgh, a couple of Miami prospects to look out for. Central Henderson is uh, one of the most naturally talented offensive linemen in the country, but his behavior and his mentality and his approach, his whole college career has just been, uh, I mean, it's been disappointing. But uh, there's no question that in terms of natural skill set, he's still, uh, one of those guys, one of those prospects that NFL teams are going to cover. So you take a look in and see how much playing time Henderson gets uh, for the for the Hurricanes. That'll be something to watch. You got a couple uh, rivalry matchups. Then Washington State at Washington on Fox at three thirty. Some good players there, uh, and certainly Oregon State at Oregon coming up at seven p.m. on Friday on Fox Sports One. That's a game worth watching. We know our boy Sergi is going to be watching that one with his Beavers, but. It's the Saturday games that are going to take the precedence. You've got phenomenal games early. Florida State at Florida. That's on ESPN. Ohio State at Michigan on ABC. Two huge rivalries, and obviously with Florida State, Ohio State 2-3, and three, both undefeated, national championships, all the prospects they're sending to the NFL. Those are, those are very watchable games. Look, if Florida can put up any kind of challenge against Florida State in that first half, that game gets insane quick, and everybody's moving over. Uh, Duke and North Carolina. Uh, it's on ESPN2 at noon. It may not get the headlines that those two games get, but in terms of prospects and what people are going to be looking for, it's going to be an absolutely huge game for Scotty. Um Skipping ahead, you got Kansas State, Kansas, also at noon, Wake Forest, Vandy, Maryland, North Carolina State, some ACC games there, uh, some rivalry games if you're interested in checking those out. The big game of the day, understandably, is going to be the Iron Bowl, Alabama at Auburn. That's 330 CBS. Uh, if you're not watching that game, you don't care about college football and you don't care about the NFL draft because that's that's everything wrapped up into one little package. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you guys in the thread for that one. Certainly that is the big game. That's going to be the one we're going to focus on. I'm going to try to do some detailed stuff for that one moving forward. Some great games though, later on at night, Clemson, South Carolina. That's a number six, number 10. Notre Dame, number 25, goes to Palo Alto to face a number eight, Stanford. Those are both at 7 o'clock. At 7.45, look, number five, Missouri's no joke, and they got a chance at the SEC championship. They're hosting Texas A&M and a Johnny Manziel team that you can't overlook despite the fact that the Aggies' defense is pretty horrible this year. A late Pac-12 challenge that I think is going to uh, send a, a couple notable prospects to the NFL, even though it may not be a huge national game, UCLA at USC, but could certainly have some ramifications in the uh, recruiting game. And that's going to be on ABC at 8 o'clock, number 22 UCLA and number 23 USC. Between those two games, A&M, Missouri, UCLA, USC, you know we're going to have tons of Turks timers with their allegiance, both to Missouri and both to the city of Los Angeles who are checking in. So, Good stuff coming up. We're going to, I'm going to detail some of those prospects. I'm going to try to hone in on the Iron Bowl because it's just such a big game. I'll probably throw something out uh, 
late this week that's going to focus on the draft and not just the college uh, open thread because I think it's something that we need to start having some discussions about on the site as we get closer to the end of the season and looking forward to two first-round picks unless we move one of them. And in any case, it's an opportunity to really solidify this young team and make sure that going into 2014, the Rams are in position to compete. Um, and I think that's I think that's where we're at, and that's the segue. This team is competing without Sam Bradford. Like I said last week, it's it's about resiliency, and they've shown it. They've shown competency. They've shown uh, flash tons of flashes of individual talent, and, and that's something they haven't had in years past. That's what made it so confusing, the, especially the early losses against Dallas and San Francisco, was knowing that this team had a ton of individual talent and sufficient individual talent to get more wins than they got. It, it was disappointing, but I think it's starting to show. You're starting to see Tavon Austin break out. And like we said earlier, the offensive line is really showing out for the running game, so maybe there's more to come there, but it's, it's, it's a huge battle, man. Going to San Francisco and the, the rivalry that it is and the interdivisional meaning that it has for the rest of the season for both teams, it's on, man. It's on, so... It's going to be interesting. More to come on the site. Um, you guys know where to get at us. Tertial Times. Again, thanks to Doug for setting up Booch on the show. We're going to try to get Dan Kadar from Mocking the Draft to come back in for one of these shows so that we can talk about uh, what he's got going on for the draft and maybe get some of the stock for those quarterbacks, Fails and Carr, like I talked about, and then maybe look at a couple different prospects for the Rams in the 2014 NFL Draft. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Thanks to Free Will for calling in earlier. We're going to see you guys next Tuesday on Tertial Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for getting with us at 3K underscore on Twitter. Obviously, 3K at Tertial Times. Get at me. Get at us. You know what it is. Tertial Radio. Go Rams.
Teddy Hill, take a look at my stock. I catch what they told me and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby face and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field. From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay. If you run at me, you'll have a bad day. This is RB, no speedball brown. The fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. This is Tetris, out to make a run. With shade done, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready and I'm sure you'll agree. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.